Hi, everyone. Dr. Tim and Hillary here for another Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I am doing good. Doing good. How about you? Doing good. We're just starting to get into the show season craziness. Oh my gosh, yes. We're not there's a show this weekend, like Aquatic Expo, I think. We're not gonna beat that one, are we? Aquatic Expo? Yeah, there's like I want to say it's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) More and more shows all the time. Yeah, I know we've got some couple of reptile shows coming up. Uh rap. Um there's an aqua show later. Super Zoo, and uh, I will be speaking or instructing at something at the University of Alabama Birmingham Zebrafish Workshop. Ooh. Yes, every, held every year. Zebrafish, for those that don't know, yes, the aquarium zebrafish is a huge biological model uh, used for all sorts of uh, medical studies and things like that, disease studies, and uh, kind of replacing the rat as uh, a model animal. So there's zebrafish systems, and there are people I I mean that um, aquarist that are employed by these universities or big companies, um, what are they private private companies that. Ha- that house they have these big zebrafish houses housing systems they maintain them just having it, thousands of aquariums that are all one two or five gallons literally holy cow that's a thousands lot. of them yes. that is a lot <laughs> yeah zebrafish racks are like one gallon because you they have very uh you know they separate all the animals because they have mm-hmm. some trend some trait some a gene that's been knocked out or something like that. And uh, literally there are, can be in these uh, big facilities, thousands and thousands of these tanks. Now, is it true that they use those for like cancer research or am I making that up? No, no. Can't all sorts of research. Because zebra fish are easy to spawn. They're they're easy to uh, knock out a specific gene or a couple of genes. So they can they can do lots of things with them, and uh, much easier to care for than uh, the traditional lab rat. Oh, interesting. So it's a very big field. Yes. You know, we should do a podcast episode on like career paths that you could take. Yeah, that'd that would be interesting. interesting. Yeah, because um, at this workshop last year when I was an instructor there, I, I met a woman and um, I recognized her because she w- had been at a pet store. And I ta- started talking to her. And now I think she's at uh, UCLA and keeping care of the zebrafish systems. And I know up at University of Oregon, there is a huge... Um, I don't have the right word. They have these, I'll call it a warehouse or a stockpile, but these national depositories where if you're a researcher and you create a line of zebrafish that has a specific trait, 
you can deposit those zebrafish. Basically, you send the zebrafish up to this depository, and you can share that with other researchers to save them time of if they're interested in that trait. They don't have to, to develop the fish. You, they can basically purchase the fish from this depository, and that way oh. saves time and money and, and effort. And uh, some of these big zebrafish facilities, like I say, thousands and thousands of these small aquariums full of zebrafish. That's incredible. All right. And so a, a podcast on career paths it sounds like a podcast on zebrafish. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a Facebook live from Hillary at the uh, <laughs> zebrafish repository. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that idea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so how far are you from uh, University of Oregon? Um, I'm not sure. It's only like two hours to Portland. So depending uh, on where it's yeah. at. Yeah. That might be interesting. Take a tour. Road so, trip. Yep. That's it. Okay. So we're doing questions and answers today. <laughs> yep. We are. We are. Oh, any update, anything going on? Um, in case you folks don't know, Dr. Tim's, uh, aquatic sponsored some research with the Walter, uh, Monk foundation. Ooh on a limnologic physical limnological survey limnology being freshwater biology at a lake alterzee in austria yes so no specific updates there is a live stream recap that you can go to the walter monk foundation for the oceans instagram and watch that live stream with two of the researchers but their research is actually going to take place the week of the 14th is when they're going to start doing all that stuff so hopefully we'll have some uh somewhat live updates i know that i don't think we can live stream with them but they've promised to send photos and videos and all sorts of stuff okay so definitely if, if you're interested um, Hillary will put the link on here, but the Walter Monk Foundation.org, probably, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, and there's ways if if you're interested in helping out and funding some just you know basic research, which is you never know where that leads. Um, that's and it's interesting stuff. Um, you can get more information on the different projects that they're doing, uh, both limnological and uh, oceanographical. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline, especially we just had these um, devices from, I believe it's the Cousteau Society that you stick, they're called remoras and they stick them on the dive tanks of the scuba divers. So as the divers are going down through the water column and, you know, depending on if it's a scientific dive or just for fun, the device collects a bunch of data. So they ended up uh, partnering with a local organization in La Jolla. So when they go out and uh, we're doing their dives, I think they they just started using them. So I don't know if they have data yet, but that's coming soon as well. Okay. Well, let's get back. To, well, let's start. We haven't, <laughs> start. We haven't even gotten there yet. Question number one. I bought freshwater one and only and ammonium. I put a double dose of one and only because the instructions said to use in one go for better results. I added ammonia and then two days later added another dose. Chlorine is not added to the water in our water source. Alkalinity is nine, pH is 7.5, and ammonia tests zero 24 hours after every addition. 
but my nitrites never went down. Did a partial water change about 30% twice because the nitrites were getting too high. What did I do wrong? Do I just keep adding ammonia every two days if the nitrites are below two? It's a 120 liter tank. Okay, but we don't really know what the nitrite is, right? Yeah, it doesn't give a number of what they were. So we don't have a lot of information here because the person said, do I just keep adding ammonia when the nitrite is below two? Which the answer is yes. So it doesn't seem like the nitrite is just climbing, climbing, climbing. It's just not disappearing as fast as the ammonia, which is disappearing in 24 hours. And that's quite common. The ammonia oxidizing bacteria um, work faster than the nitrite oxidizing bacteria. So if your nitrite is above five, do not add any ammonia. And don't people get real freaked out about, well, my bacteria are going to starve to death because I had fed them for three or four days. They're not going to starve to death. You do not have to add ammonia all the time. Okay? Why we're adding ammonia on a regular basis when we're starting up is we're trying to build a big population, but you, they're not going to die. They're not going to starve. So ammonia above five or nitrite above five, don't add more ammonia. Nitrite going up and then coming down, once it gets down into the two, you know, you, you don't have to add four drops. You can add one drop per gallon or two drops. You can add a little bit. And that's what I would do here. If it's between two and five, I would instead of uh, four drops per gallon, add two drops per gallon. Now, I'm assuming this tank is fresh water, Hillary. They said their alkalinity and their pH. Yes, it is fresh water. Okay, so now... What you do have to pay attention to, though, is your pH, because as we've said many times, as you're adding ammonia and it's being converted to nitrite, nitrite's being converted to nitrate, you're producing hydrogen ions, which are going to consume your alkalinity or the buffering ability of the water. And at some point, the pH is going to drop. And when the pH drops, below or near seven, below seven, the whole nitrification process stops. The bacteria are not dead. It's just, it stops because 100% of the total ammonia is in the ammonium form, which the bacteria can't use. This tank's pH is 7.9. They still have alkalinity, so that's fine. But as you're adding more and more without doing water changes and replenishing your alkalinity, you've got to pay attention to the pH. And I know we've had questions in the past, you know, everything was going great and then it all stopped. And that's why we, we always ask what your pH value is. As that gets down towards seven or below seven, the process halts. That's when you have to do a water change. But right now that would be, I just would say add two drops of ammonia per gallon and continue. So the person didn't anything wrong. It's just, you know, the, the tank's working. Always good. I like the, I like the answers. The tank's work, working. You're on the right track. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. Does your ammonium chloride go bad? I have a bottle that is two years old, and I was wondering if I can still use it. It does not go bad, and yes, you can still use it. Yeah. Uh, if, if somehow you were to contaminate it, it might turn cloudy. You should never use ammonia that's, that's cloudy, but in general, it's fine. If you've kept the cap on and uh, 
if the cap is off and it's evaporated, then it's going to be a little stronger. So use less drops, but it's still fun. Question number three. I just bought my first bottle of one and only today here in Australia, but there is no use by date or manufacturing date on the bottle anywhere. There is a batch number where Dr. Tim said that there should be an expiration date. How do I know if my new bottle is still in date? Also, is this a single dose regimen or should I apply the same dose for the first seven days? Uh, second question. First, it is a single dose regimen. Shake up, pour the whole bottle in um, at one time, one time. Um, sec first question is there's lot labels and people can always contact us or our Australian distributor um, for when it's manufactured, but they get stuff on a monthly basis. So the chances of it being out of date are uh, very low because we ship small quantities monthly so that we always have stuff in stock. Now, if they were to reach out to the Australian distributor, who is that that they should be reaching out to? Info at addicted to the number two fish.com.au. We're on question number four. I have a filter with a filter pad that I believe has carbon in it. Do I need to remove the pad during this process? I think they're talking about cycling, but yeah, I well We'll assume, they're, yeah, we'll assume they're talking about cycling, and the answer is no. Keep the filter pad in. Keep the, fil keep the carbon in the filter pad. Keep the water running. We get a lot of questions you know, or statements. I turned off my filter. Why? Because you told me to. No, we didn't. We said to remove the micron filter. If you're using a micron filter, otherwise... You want water flow, you want your filter running, you want the sponge, the fuzzy pad, you need media surface for the bacteria to adhere to. So uh, keep it running and keep it, keep media in the filter. The issue when using our live one and only nitrifying bacteria is that we grow these bacteria on a particle and that particle is bigger than the 200 or 400 or 600 micron opening of filter socks. Uh, because our bacteria are going to a particle, that particle is going to get trapped in there and then it'll get buried with all the other uh, dirt, that, debris that gets trapped in the filter sock. But a blue fuzzy pad, a sponge, those are not micron filter socks. Your standard hang on the tank filter does not have a filter sock in it. It's mostly sumps that have filter socks. Uh, number five, Dr. Tim, what is your opinion of probiotics versus prebiotics? I think this is in reference to fish food. So prebiotics are substances that promote the growth of bacteria. And probiotics are bacteria. Um, and contrary to some self-proclaimed experts, not all bacteria are probiotics. There's definitions, scientific definitions for what a probiotic is. Um, nitrifying bacteria, for instance, are not probiotic. 
waste away bacteria are not probiotic. Our eco-balanced bacteria are probiotic because they convey a direct positive effect on their host. So unfortunately, marketing and companies that should know better are using the word probiotic for everything. And that's just wrong. So now pre I mean they're both good, but not one's not better than the other. You spend a lot of money, you know, your hard-earned money setting up fish tank, whether it's fresh water, salt water, whatever. And then you don't make a good decision on food. Uh, and we and people feed less than optimal food. And it makes no sense. There's there's plenty of good choices out there. Um, one, yes, being our uh, beneficial fish foods. But the key to keeping your animals healthy is their food. And that's where prebiotics can come in and help. Probiotics help when you're having issues, like if your tank is overrun with a disease. Or you just have chronic, you know, no, no matter what, after six or seven months, you're having problems, bacterial outbreaks, then probiotics can definitely help. But just like with, you know, with the probiotics in yogurt, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing because we're always being subjected to, you know, forces or, or, or things that, you know, um, want to counteract the good bacteria in our in our systems or even in the fish's systems. And when you're feeding poor food, you tend to design or or not not intentionally, but the the gut biome of the fish suffers and just as we're learning with humans, when you have a poor gut biome, that leads to all sorts of, of different diseases and maladies and new, malnutrition and things like that. And so there's probiotics, prebiotics, you need them, um, but they have to be the right type. And that takes a little bit of homework. And unfortunately for that, for a lot of people, it's hard to tell what companies sell reputable products and what, and those that don't. Did that make sense, Hiller? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this in our food podcast, our well, not food, but nutrition podcast. Yeah, we did. The key is to f- feed variety. Even with corals, it drives me a little bit crazy. Um, you know, people feed rotifers, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's th- just feeding that, j- just like feeding anything as exclusive, just feeding one thing, you're not getting a variety. And that's what every every organism's need, all organisms need. Your corals lose, losing color. How about some bacteria? Change things up a little bit. Do some research on there's other foods out there for your fish. Your fish losing color. Your fish have sunken belly. Um, you know, f- there's lots of good food out there. Yes, it can cost a little bit more, there's a reason it costs a little bit more because there's something in it and behind it and real ingredients cost money, just like real bacteria costs money rather than uh, just buying a 
bottle of water. You get what you pay for. 100%. I feel like that's true all the time, but it's especially true in aquarium keeping. Yes. And it, and it's especially true when it comes to food and, you know, some, as if, if you're really interested, go back into, uh, you know, our nutrition talk, because what people I've seen this, well, I just feed, you know, the cheapest food I can find for my, for my marine fish. Why? Marine fish can't make all the fatty acids that they need. You know, they, the, they can't make the hoofas from the poofas. I just love that. Hoofas from the poofas. They can't make the highly <laughs> insane. <laughs> you knew it was coming. See, and that's a big difference between freshwater fish and saltwater fish. So, you, you know, reputable food manufacturers, and, there, and there, there's really good ones out there, know that in the marine feeds, you have to have a fatty acid profile for those marine fish because they can't make the fatty acids that they need. They have to get it through their diet. Unlike freshwater fish, which can make polyunsaturated fatty acids from the highly unsaturated, that's the hoofas and the poofas, marine fish can't do that. They have to get it in their diet. So don't don't feed cheap food. Okay, you, you're, you're just long-term hurting the fish, making more work for yourself, more maintenance on the tank and things like that. Because just because a fish does uh, ate it, ate something doesn't mean that it got any nutrition, but it will definitely cause waste in your, in your system. Let's move on to question number six. I'm in my fifth week of keeping a saltwater aquarium. I use Dr. Tim's ammonia. My ammonia is zero. My nitrite is approximately four. Can I use EcoBalance during this cycle? Will it help? Five weeks into it, still have nitrite. We don't recommend using any other bacteria, even our other bacteria like Waste Away or EcoBalance during cycling, because all those other products are composed of heterotrophic bacteria, which grow much faster than the nitrifiers and will steal the micronutrients, especially phosphate, in the water. So don't recommend... If you're still measuring ammonia and nitrite, that means your biofilter is not fully established. And so don't really recommend um, adding EcoBalance Waste Away or any other supplement. And it's kind of a uh, same along that line. People go, well, I add your one and only, but I also added some nitrifiers from brand A and some nitrifiers from brand B. We don't recommend that either um, because... Most of those other brands aren't nitrifiers, and they're just going to mess things up. So uh, have a little patience. Stop trying to think about you're adding uh, variety or uh, you know diversity to your aquarium. You need to get the nitrifiers established first. You know, it, it's funny because we're just talking about food, and you're like, diversity is really good in food. In food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, diversity would be good in the back in either in back bacteria wise too if other companies had bacteria but uh the the issue is food doesn't compete with its with other food right bacteria compete with each other and there's a limited resources space micronutrients and things like that so when you start adding all sorts of different bacteria during the startup what are you trying to do? You're trying to get nitrifiers established to get rid of ammonia and nitrite. So adding other bacteria 
that will compete with the NYCHA fires is counterproductive. So that's what the difference is. Let's see, we're on question number seven. I'm on day 26 of a fishlet cycle on a 200 gallon tank with dry rock and substrate. Ammonia finally came down from about 2.24 to 0.83, but the nitrites spiked above 200. I'm not sure what I did wrong. These readings were after a 25% water change. I need some advice. I did purchase another kit, but I'd rather have some solid advice before I start over. Thanks. I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb here and assume this person is using a Hannah checker or something, and that 200 is PPB, parts per billion, not yes. PPM. They, 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 they are using a Hannah checker. Okay, because 200 parts per million nitrite, you'd have to add a lot of ammonia to get there. To get there. So basically, uh, their nitrite is 0.2. So it's, for all practical purposes, zero. So the system is cycling. Yeah, and, and this is a case where that number is scaring you, but the nitrites aren't high at all. If, you've, if you're adding ammonia following our recipe, you're, you're adding at least two milligrams per liter of ammonia nitrogen, which will translate to two milligrams per liter nitrite nitrogen. And this person, maybe maybe they don't understand the units, the HANA checker. The HANA checker is not measuring in parts per million. It's measuring in parts per billion. So if we go back and I said two milligrams per liter ammonia equals two milligrams per liter nitrite, that would be 2,000 parts per billion. So dosing once you're adding 2,000 parts per billion nitrite, and they have 200. So they only have 10% of the nitrite is left. So the, the system's working quite well. And I think you, I think this person's dosed twice. It says that they're on day 26. I don't think it says how many times they dose. Times. The person isn't clear on what the units are, and there's very little nitrite in the system. And what, what you should be doing is keep on dosing ammonia. Your ammonia is gone because I, I know they said it, it finally went down. And then there's very little nitrite in this, in this water. So your system's working, add some more ammonia. But just realize what units your test kits are measuring in. Question number eight. I'm looking for advice as to which bacterial treatment I should use to help my tank balance out after dealing with dinos. The tank is young, about three to four months old. I had dinos after my nitrates and phosphate drops dropped to undetectable levels. I was able to control the dinos with UV. Thanks for your help. Well, the, the go-to product for once you've cycled and are running on a weekly basis is the waste away use eight different strains of bacteria. And then once a month or once in a while, hit it with some equal balance. So it's, it's, you know, the waste away. And we make that easy to do with the waste away gels. Just take a gel cartridge and put it somewhere in the system, the sump, the back, 
you know, it doesn't have to be in the tank, it has to be in the water system. But that's what I would recommend is uh, starting with the waste away. Moving on to question number nine. I used your pearls to run my 85 gallon tank using a phosphan reactor. I was wondering if it would be detrimental to the pearls if I plumbed the reactor for them to the discharge side of my UV sterilizer. It's running at about 125 gallon per hour at the inlet of the UV. Thanks. Yeah, we don't recommend that you hard plumb the discharge of your reactor to anything else because that's going to make it difficult to control the spinning rate, the, the churning, which you want a very easy churning of the pearls so that they slough off the biological filter. And then the other thing, plumbing it into a UV is, I, I don't know that I'd, I'd want to do that because you're going to kill the bacteria that is that biofilm and that bacteria and that biofilm, especially if you have a coral tank can be absorbed or eaten by the corals and can be quite nutritious and healthy for them. But, but, but just physically do not hard plumb the discharge of your reactor into anything. It's just going to make life more difficult as the pearls become uh covered with the bacteria and start sticking together and things like that. Question number 10. Hello, Dr. Tim. I am a new betta fish owner. I see that you have a PDF on fishless tank cycling. Do you have a fish in tank, tank cycling with the necessary water readings for a three-gallon single betta with only silk plants and a hiding cave? Well, we, we don't because the water quality for the bacteria is pretty much the same as the fish in terms of you don't want any chloramines or chlorines. So just shake the bacteria up, pour it into this uh, container, you know, whether it's your aquarium or, or the fish bowl, then we recommend that you get it, let everything stabilize for 24 hours and have the filter running, but maybe you don't have that in a beta tank um, and, and then add your fish. So that's very actually pretty easy. Make sure you have dechlorinated water, uh, shake up the one and only, add some, and then add the fish and you're ready to go. And that's how I've you know, done with the better fish I have. And it, it works. And even if, and ex expand that, even if you're doing it in a, you know, an aquarium and a fish in the aquarium, which yes, the internet rallies against, but you, you can do this. This is fine. Is Get the system running, get the filter running, do not remove the filter media, and then add the bacteria, shake up well, add the bacteria, and then, you know, let, let it run overnight. Bacteria will start sticking to surfaces, and then you can add a couple of fish and slowly build up the fish population monitoring ammonia and nitrite. You don't have to do the fishless cycling. A lot of people want to for various reasons. But nowadays, the bacteria are available, they'll work fine, and then just have the patience to slowly build up the fish population. Uh, now, we do recommend quarantining fish, and that's where you, you know, this, this method maybe breaks down a little bit because you add a couple of fish the first day and a few more fish the next day and a few more fish, you know, a week or 10 days later. Are, those, are all those fish quarantined? You know, or are you just coming right from the fish store and putting them in, which is not um, 
the be- the best uh, way to do because you, especially with marine fish, you run the risk of adding disease organisms uh, to it. And we always recommend quarantining uh, marine fish. So you have to be careful there. Yes. Now, out of curiosity, it's they're talking about like it's a three gallon beta tank. Do they need to be worried about water changes? In, like say the first month, couple weeks. Generally not, but uh, the key here is how much you're feeding. First time fish owners generally overfeed, and it's pretty easy to overfeed a beta because they're not the you know they're not down there at the bottom in most cases eating things off the bottom um and and really a best the better way the best way to feed a beta is just a few micro pellets you know several times a day and i don't know how often people do that um so you you just if the water turns cloudy that's an that's um an indication or if the fish suddenly stops eating that's an indication that the water quality is poor and you should uh, do a water change and a clean sounds good 11 got a question about the waste away gel i know you have them for freshwater and reef tanks do they work in brackish aquariums as well if so which one do i need to use uh, they do work in brackish, and I would recommend using the saltwater version. They'll, be, they'll do great. Okay. Question number 12. Do the nitrifying bacteria work with prime? We don't recommend using prime or any of the super strong ammonia-removing chemicals with the nitrifying bacteria because it, the prime can inhibit the ability of the nitrifying bacteria to the, do their job. And also it changes the water chemistry and that negatively affects the nitrifying bacteria. Um, and I'm not sure why you would add prime and then add the nitrifying bacteria, but I'm assuming you're adding ammonium chloride or let, let's say this, if you're adding ammonium chloride, do not add prime because you're counteracting adding the ammonium chloride. Add the ammonium chloride, add the one and only, and have a little patience. Um, yes, if, you actually need the ammonia to cycle. <laughs> yes, you need the ammonia. That's the whole idea is that... Don't add the ammonia with the fish in there, but if you're doing a fishless cycle, it's it's a part of it. Did I send you that link? Because I, I'm with you, Hillary. I, rec- I don't recommend adding ammonia to a tank with fish. There was an interesting thread in Reef to Reef by Randy Holmes. Yeah, you know, he's he's a Harvard PhD professor, chemistry. And the question was, so the question is, how much ammonia can you add? And should you even add ammonia to a tank with fish and corals to, to get your nitrate up. It's it's true. It I mean if you have a functioning biofilter, adding a few drops of ammonia, not a few drops per gallon, but just a few drops, is a way to generate nitrate. It's uh, something. 
Yeah, I think maybe a podcast on different ways of adding nitrate and phosphate to get those levels up because that's definitely dinoflagellates. You've got probably no nitrates and phosphates. So how can you you know counteract that? Because adding food, well, adding food, you're adding organics and that can spur algae growth and all, you know, make the tank look bad. So is that a possibility? Um, but getting back to the, the question at hand. There's no reason to add add prime, and 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 I mean, and we have a product that works just like an aqua cleanse, and that's for emergencies when you have super high ammonia. You you know something's happened, you're trying to control that, but but don't add prime if you're fishless cycling. That whole I it just counteracts the ammonia, and don't add prime on a regular basis by cycling, because I promise you it inhibits the ability of the nitrifying bacteria to do their job. And that's the same with our aqua cleanse, regular and religious use of this. And we years ago had a public aquarium that was, was having all sorts of problems that I didn't understand because they, you know, bought our bacteria that working great usually works great. And then you start interviewing and they admit it. They were literally dumping 55 gallon drums of prime in the water. Oh my. No, no yeah. Oh my. That's right. Biology oh my. takes a little time, but is long term. Okay. Use bio use the biology. That's why we have nitrifying bacteria and uh not chemicals. Now, as you're talking, I, I'm thinking like, well what if they were using the prime, like if they were using tap water and they were using the prime to do in what? the tap water then just like let it sit for 24 hours before adding the ammonia for cycling? Well, if if you're, if you're, yeah, you know, if, if stir it up, you know, when I'm about 24 hours, but a few hours, you're getting rid of chlorine and chloramines. Uh, that's one thing to do or one way to do it, but I'm, and, and that's okay. But I'm talking about where uh, people are adding it, you know, morning, noon, and night, or they're adding it 10 times the dose and stuff like that. That's where you get into big problems because you're going to notice also that your pH is going to drop. And as we talked earlier, once that happens, then the bacteria aren't working because the pH is so low that the ammonia is in the wrong form. It's in the ammonium form. What do people do? Well, I got more ammonia. I got to dump in more prime. And it's this vicious cycle that just causes tons and tons of issues. So don't rely on chemical means to get rid of ammonia when you're trying to naturally cycle a system. And there are other ways to get rid of chlorine, like our um, first defense. Yes. Okay, do we have time for one last question? Sure, one last question. All right, question number 13. I noticed that you guys- Sorry. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed that you guys have a whole bunch of new Pro 10 LED lights, but there's several different options. How do I know which one that I need? Well, we have guides and information and videos on there, but there's three types, freshwater, marine, and reef blue. So obviously, if you've got a freshwater tank, use the freshwater one. Uh, for marine aquarium, fish only, um, and general marine lighting, the marine version is perfect. And now if you're, if you're growing corals and you need more of that blue light, the marine blue is almost 100% blue diodes. And you can pair that 
with the marine lamp so that the tank water isn't so blue because our eyes don't like blue, but the corals do. Um, and you can use those those two together. That's a general um, guide. You know, it's uh, you, it, the uh, the marine version has some blue in it, but if you've got a taller tank, then you need more blue so it reaches the bottom. Or if you've got a lot of corals and things like that that are photosynthetic, you need that blue light. And that's where the 100%, almost 100% marine blue light comes in paired with the marine LED or ProTen. Okay. Right. So that's a baker's dozen of questions. It is. It is. Yep. So we still got some more. We'll save them for next time. Yep. And please send your questions in and uh, check our calendar. We'll update that for the different shows we'll be at. And I know I'll be at a couple of them and uh, stop by. Always love to talk to people and uh, see people face to face. And if you have any topics for podcasts that you'd like to hear about, let us know, send us an email, send us a message. We've already got three today from this one, but we're happy to uh, make topics about what you want to hear. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been Dr. Tim and Hillary in another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatic Podcast, Good Fish Keeping.